Welcome to Her Bro, His Sis, a podcast hosted by sibling ministers focused on topics of faith. We are family addressing the family, the body of Christ. All right, well, welcome everyone to another episode of Her Bro, His Sis. Um, man, just super excited as always just to, to get it in with you. Um, it's just the joy of my month to um, just chop with you more often than this, but um, just always a joy just to be able to just share the word of God with you and just uh, dive into it with the people. So uh, just grateful to be on here with you today. Always. I look forward to it. It's not even funny how um, exciting this is yeah. this time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely amped. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, today um had so much fun last month talking about uh, Psalm 119, and that was just such a great passage to open up. And uh, this month we'll be talking about First John. Um and we'll try not to be exhausted today. I know when we get into books, uh, like we did James last time, it just kind of felt like, man, it was just so much uh, just to get into. But uh, we'll do our best just to, to stay condensed and, and just kind of uh, give the meat. But, um, yeah, just such a fun study to go into. Um, as most of us, when we think about First John, we think about love. Um, you know, most people know First John 3 and 4, where he's talking about love. And so, um, yeah, definitely was a running theme, but... Um, yeah, I just looked at the whole letter um, as a love letter, in, in a sense. Um, you know, he talks when he's addressing them, he's kind of addressing them as as little children. Um, and so that was like a term of endearment. And so, uh, you know, I kind of likened it to a father who's going on military duty and is about to be deployed. And so just kind of mm. just leaving these parting words um, as he's writing uh, to his family. And so that's kind of the the pulse that I gathered, um, and going through it. And, and there was a lot of things that he repeated, um, almost as by way of reminder, um, just to kind of just impart these, uh, essential truths to the, those who are listening. And so, um, it was just such an intimate letter and I just enjoyed just going through it myself and just feeling that sense. Um, and so those are just some things that I just kind of want to, uh, come out today. Um, was there anything just kind of in a brief overview that you kind of saw as you were kind of going through it yourself? Well, what you're saying is really um, along the same lines, but I love how you said that you got the impression that it was like a love letter from a father getting deployed going overseas to his children. Because it gives me like this analogy of like the Lord being our father and not that he went deployed to heaven, but like he said in the word like I am going to prepare a place for you so that where I am you may be also so I'm going to heaven you're going to be here but while I'm away I want to tell you these things so that you can be reminded of these things um, while I'm gone preparing a place for you so it's amazing that you said that because that's the picture that comes to my head that like like you know when your parent leaves you know in real life if someone was to you know leave um you would treasure that letter until you um, saw that person again or um, until you could hear from them again. You would Mm. treasure that and just go back over it again just to see what they had to say to you. So it was. It was very endearing. And we know that John always referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved because he just knew how much God loved him. You know, he just knew how much, how loved he was by Jesus. Um, So, yeah, love is a huge, huge thing. But we see it in so many different ways woven through all of those chapters. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's good. I, I like how you um, correlate um, Christ to the church, because when you think about 
uh, love. It wasn't just the times that he said the word love, but everything he said was because he loved, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so even mm-hmm. the message of Christ, you know, when he was, you know, given the parables and when he was speaking to the disciples, he didn't always necessarily said, I love you, therefore listen to this. But because of love, everything was permeated yeah. by that love. And so, um, yeah, like I said, just a beautiful letter. And um, those are some of the things that we want to get into, you know, as um, as siblings um, to our listeners. Um, we want to share that same heartbeat as hey because we love you um we want to be able to now pass on these words that we can get from um, the apostle john to these listeners um kind of by way of the same level of intimacy as hey this is what we gathered we want to be able to share this with you uh, just as john shared with his listeners so um yeah i liken it to a spiritual father speaking to his children regarding the demonstration of their faith in god warning them against deception so kind of these two things that i saw kind of paralleling was um a demonstration of their faith um, to warn and guard against the deception of um, either like an antichrist or um, those who are kind of practicing false religion. So um, mm-hmm. those are kind of the two things that I think really were kind of a, a central theme. Um, and that demonstration, I think, kind of plays out in a lot of the things that we're talking about, the practical sense of like the love and, and things like that. And so um, we'll just go chapter by chapter, definitely just kind of get into this. Um, one thing that I liked is, like we said, there was a lot of repetition in this particular book. Um, and there was just some that was just, it was a lot when I looked at it in the grand scheme. I mean, it's a, a short book. It's five chapters. Um, it totals about 105 verses. Um, and there were certain words that were repeated almost like a good 30 to 40% of the book. You heard this word. Yeah. So um, like the word, no, he used 39 times. Um, we talked about love. He used it 36 times. Um, the word live in some form like practice or to do or to obey was used 13 times. Um, he talked about from the beginning a lot. So we'll definitely get into a lot of those, but there was just a lot of repetition. Um, and again, like you said, kind of like how um, that father, you know, they would continue to go back to that. Um, the beautiful thing about that is that it helped them to understand that these are essential things that we want you to remember, not necessarily because I wrote it, but simply because these are things that while I'm away, because I love you as a father, and because I'm not necessarily going to be present with you, these are things that are essential to you continuing to walk in, in that faith and in that truth. So um, mm-hmm. that's really what I pulled away as a believer. Um, and my own encouragement is, what are some things that he was really wanting these people to understand? And how can I apply that to today's time? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get into it. So um, kind of what I saw um, through this when we talk about the demonstration versus the deception um, I saw three L's that were kind of like a central theme. Um, the first one is to walk in light. Um, so first L being light. Um, God is righteous. Um, and it just kind of declares our allegiance. And he talks about fellowship, um, acting in love. Um, so love towards others demonstrates our love for God and walking in the light. Um, and then thirdly, living out loud or practicing righteousness or fleeing from sin. So those are kind of some of the things that I saw woven into that. And as we get into the chapters, we'll definitely start to see those essential themes coming through. Um, so chapter one, um, it starts out with this introduction that I think kind of really just kind of frames the whole thing. And it's just what we heard. And so uh, verses one through four, he just says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. 
so the first thing he says is um, we're writing so that we may have fellowship. Um, and so he says that which is from the beginning. So the first question I ask is what is from the beginning? Um, he's talking about Christ being from the beginning. Um, verse one, he says concerning the word of life, um, which is Christ. And so I think it's important to stress um, the authority of what he says here, because again, we're talking about um, them kind of being deceived in, in certain ways um, that there's an authority to his testimony because he says, not only have you heard it, and of course we know about hearsay in today's time, right? Um, uh -huh. But it says that we have seen, looked upon, and touched with our hands concerning the word. Uh -huh. So there's, there's such an authority, I think, to saying that, um, just to highlight the fact that Jesus was real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, back in those days, um, I mean, obviously we can look today, and obviously we know that some people don't believe that, that Jesus was um, was more than a man, or even if he was even real to begin with, but um, the fact that he was able to go to that length to say, hey, like, we were there, you know what I'm saying? We touched him. We, right. um, we were there at the beginning. So the beginning obviously kind of speaks to um, from the beginning, right? Like, this is... Um, kind of the inception of the thing but then it, it goes into we were there we witnessed it we didn't just it wasn't just something that someone else told us and this was some myth or some story that our grandparents told mm -hmm. us but we were there you know what i'm saying and so i yeah. think that's just such a beautiful thing to really talk about um and, and really just um understand and that christ was made manifest so it wasn't just that um he was just a story but he actually became the incarnate word of God. And so um, that's just such a beautiful picture, even in understanding the gospel that um, those who are kind of shaky in their faith, when we talk about the truth and the fact that he wanted us to know things, it starts with understanding that Christ is who he says he is. Right. So, I mean, we yeah. got to start from there is when Christ says um, that he is the word of God, like in John one, one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Mm -hmm. like, Come on. That's not just speech. That's not just hearsay. Like God can declare through his son Jesus, that he is who he says he is. And uh -huh. John is like, I was right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I was in the inner circle, like you said, <laughs> the one that he beloved. Like, he was right there. Yeah. So it's not just something that we're like, man, this is a really cool autobiography. Like, no, nah, I was right there in the mix. So that's uh -huh. a beautiful thing. Um, so it goes into all that. But then the second thing is so that you may have fellowship. And so I think about what is fellowship. Um, and to me, fellowship, um, I think. Uh, for me, this has been a big thing uh, because I've been saved for quite a long time. But to me, fellowship wasn't really something that people really grasped as more so than just believers hanging around each other. And so um, when he says that you may have fellowship, it's not just so that you could be in a club. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and I think that fellowship has definitely been diluted. And so one way that I like to categorize fellowship is um, as I cap the last three letters of the word fellowship. So it's fellows and then HIP in all caps. Um, and that's an acronym. And so it's fellows huddled in pursuit. Um, and so it's individuals of the same kind that bear the same testimony. So again, he's wanting to basically get you to understand like the testimony that I'm proclaiming that Christ is who he says he is. Like, do you believe that? So amongst all the right. deception that's going on, like, do you bear the same testimony that I bear? Um, are you joined at the hip, which in natural terms means to be inseparable? Are you inseparable with the testimony, with the truth that we proclaim? Or are you just mm -hmm. kind of amongst the number? Um, and so huddled in pursuit, if we kind of break that down, is that we are to have purposeful, fruitful interaction with other believers. So it's not just, hey, you're a believer, I'm a believer, let's, let's go to Denny's. But it's <laughs> purposeful, fruitful interaction with other believers with these three things, grounded in love, grounded in worship and grounded in edification. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe that that is scriptural because if you look at Hebrews 10, um, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works as a verse 24, um, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So 
if the goal is for me to think about how I can stir you to love and good works, then that means that I should be purposeful in my interactions with you, not just, hey, we're not going to cuss, let's hang out. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that's definitely the, the beautiful picture of that. And lastly, uh, just Colossians 3, 15 and 16 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then doing this, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So most people would assume, okay, that's a church service. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, fellowship <laughs> should also look like a church service in some respects, because when we're around one another, I mean, how often do we sing with one another? How often are we praying with one another? How often are we sharing wisdom and stirring one another to love and good works? Or is that just what we do from 10 to 12 on Sunday morning? So, um, wow. That's kind of the, the introduction as he talks about um, in the beginning, he talks about fellowship um, and then he goes into um, that, what you heard. So um, I kind of want you to talk about what did we hear and what are we hearing um, as we kind of get into this next piece? Yeah. So um, basically I pull mine from uh, verses five and six. So let me just read that real quick. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie (laughs) and do not practice the truth. So I'm going to read that part again. If we say that we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So the message that we heard you brought it right out when you said uh, John 1 and 1. And I want to plug that, too, because I think that's really, really important for us to see, uh, because you were talking about the beginning, the beginning, the beginning. And so when you said that, I was like, all right, now you, you're, go, you're going on my stuff. But <laughs> so John chapter 1, and he wrote both of these. So he wrote the Gospel of John and this book that we're also talking about right now. So in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Now, as you read all the way down, which we're not going to go all the way, but the word is Jesus. Okay. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Hmm. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. Now I can mentally take the liberty when I read this passage section that everywhere it says he and him to put the word because it says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was God. So I can now say the word was in the beginning with God. All things were made through the word and without the word was not anything made that was made Mm. And the word was life and the life, which is the word was the light of men. So this was the message that we heard from him, the word, and proclaimed <laughs> to you that God is light. And we talked in Psalms last month that, what did we say? We said that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Tell we it. talked about that in Psalms, right? So this is the message that we heard, that the word, which is God, which is Jesus, is light. And in him, there is no darkness. So you cannot have fellowship with God while you are choosing to walk in darkness. Mm. The word is saying that you are lying and you are not practicing the truth. So if you go to chapter three of John, 
In verse 19 it says, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Well, why is that true? Because the word of God exposes darkness. It illuminates what is not light. If we go back to chapter 1, it says in verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, which we know is Jesus. He, a.k.a. the word, was in the world, and the world was made through him, the word, yet the world did not know him, the word, right? The world doesn't know the word. (laughs) The word, he, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all that did receive him, the word, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So as many as received him, then he gave the power to become the sons of God. And that goes back to hear, receive, obey. Hear the word, receive the word, obey the word. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to take the speak on it. (laughs) You already know I can't. I mean, how can I not? It's it's calling me. It literally is calling me. (laughs) And then the last point of that is, and the word became flesh. And who was that? Jesus. Mm-hmm. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father. So, um, by confessing our sins, we are agreeing with what God's word reveals to us about ourselves. To look at our own sin and deny it as sin, or basically, in other words, to overlook our sin, is to call God a liar. Mm. So, Going back to verse 5 and 6, it says the message we heard from him is that God is light and in him there's no darkness. If we say we have fellowship while we're walking in darkness, which many of us have done, you know, and some are actively doing right now. But if you say you have fellowship with him while you're walking in darkness, it's not true. This is what the word is telling you. This is what Jesus is telling you. This is what God is telling you. Okay. So he's saying that if you look at your sin or your darkness and you deny it as such, you're calling God a liar. Mm. And the word is calling you a liar by saying that if you're walking in fellowship and you know, if you're walking in darkness and claim to have fellowship with him, that you're lying. Okay. So somebody's lying. And who is? Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> basically you're saying you disagree with him with, because you're saying you disagree with the word because mm. you're not agreeing that your sin is what the word says is sin. And you nullify the transforming power of the word of God to affect your life. And then that takes us back to James where he says to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. Again, back to as many as received him, those he gave the power to become the sons of God. So if you'll receive uh, with meekness and humility that word that he offers us to implant within our souls, then it can save us. Um, But if we don't receive it, it can't save us. That's what I have. I like that. I like that. So verse five, it says, and this is the message we heard, like you said, that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So just a a, a definition on light and darkness. So I looked those two words up in the Greek and Mm -hmm. light is to shine or to manifest. So God shines or God is manifested. Mm -hmm. Obviously, again, and we understand that the word was manifested in uh, the person of Christ. Um, but then darkness, this was really, really cool. So darkness is actually mentioned in both five and six, but it's actually two mm-hmm. different definitions. 
So in verse five, it means division. And in verse six, it says escape. So let me just kind of walk this. So and this is the message which we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light shining manifested and there is no mm -hmm. darkness or division in him at all. So again, we talked about the fellowship so we can, we can hang on that for a second. And then verse six says, if we say that we have fellowship, which again, there's no lack of fellowship or no division in him. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, which means escape, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if you have fellowship, means you have no dividing uh, element to your fellowship because you're walking in light. If you choose mm -hmm. to walk in darkness, you are now escaping the reality of light. Like you said, you're a liar <laughs> and the truth is not in mm -hmm. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to think of it like this. So when you have a natural light, what is its purpose? The purpose of a light is to expose and remove darkness. So again, light is to shine. So Matthew five sixteen, let your light so shine before men that they yeah. your good works. We understand that uh, also in the Gospels it talks about not hiding your lamp under a bushel. All of that. So this is the key: is we don't turn on darkness; we only turn on light. Wow! So, so, think, <laughs> so think about it like this. <laughs> wow! So when light is not accomplishing its purpose, which is to shine. It's turned off. Darkness is not turned on. It's a byproduct of a light not functioning properly. Wow. So again, <laughs> if we walk in the light, when we choose not to walk in light, we're walking in darkness, which means we're actually turning our light off, which means now you're not functioning as a light, which means now you've chosen to become dark. So you have to choose because a light its purpose is to shine. And so anytime you're shining, you're walking in light. If you choose not to walk in light, then you have, you have, you're choosing to walk in darkness because you cannot simultaneously do both. So that's where the mm -hmm. whole, you're becoming a liar if you choose not to walk in light. So I'll let you speak on that real quick. <laughs> so th that's profound. I'm just going to say that right there. But so what you're saying is that's the key right there. You cannot simultaneously do both in many people in church often think to themselves, right? Because you're talking about deception. And, and um, in this case, we're deceiving ourselves, right? That we can do both. We're deceiving ourselves to think that we can walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. And really what that just um, highlights to me is, because it says you're not practicing the truth, which means you're practicing truth or you're practicing lies, hmm. one or the other. So what are you practicing? And practice makes perfect. So if you're practicing goodness and righteousness, you will be perfected ultimately. But if you're practicing evil, darkness, you know, unrighteousness, then you're perfecting sin, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, again, you just cannot simultaneously do both. And we just, again, have to, to parallel what our actions are actually doing. And I think that this book overall, um, and with the use of his repetition, John is illustrating to the readers really plainly where you are, you know, and we're always talking about examining yourself to see where you are in the faith and, 
you know, when we read this, comparing where our lives are lining up. But this is a book that you cannot escape the truth. Like, yeah. if you're really being real with yourself, like, right here before this book is done or by the time this book is done, you're either going to be convicted and repenting or just, like, admitting I'm in darkness and I'm just trying to be out here practicing sin habitually, intentionally. Yeah, I like that. And Ephesians 5 um, actually talks a lot about that, examining yourself, because it it talks about not being deceived. Um, And I'll try to read it real quick um, in summary, but um, it's Ephesians 5, 6 through 16. And so it's talking about not being deceived with empty words. Um, But it says in verse uh, 7, it says, therefore, do not become partners with them, talking about uh, those in sin, walking in disobedience. It says, for at Mm -hmm. one time you were darkness, but now you are like right. the Lord, right? So again, you right. have that contrast, that parallel, and it says, walk as children of light, verse nine, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So we know the fruit of what walking in light is. So again, having mm-hmm. to examine yourselves and know, um, verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So the heart is, do I hate sin? And am I willing to expose the darkness uh, for mm-hmm. what it is and, and present it through the light, uh, which again, Christ is that light and is our, um, our sanctifying power to be able to help us to identify ourselves and to know ourselves by being able to look at the light and say, my deeds are wrong. I need to submit to the light. Um, mm-hmm. Verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. So, do we have a desire to be willing to not only walk in the light, but continue to stay in the light and allow those things that, um, and this kind of is a good segue into the next piece of that about sin um, verses eight through 10 of, of chapter one is as we walk in the light, we're no longer sinners. We're flesh. So we're going to sin, but we're not, as you said, practicing sin. So we should perpetually be perpetually, excuse me, uh, be more conformed to the image of Christ Romans eight. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, as that's happening, we recognize that we should be sinning less. And the light is that, uh, like you said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. That should be the um, determining light that is a- allowing us to illuminate and, and evaluate ourselves to see whether or not, A, we're in the faith, but B, um, are we walking in righteousness? Because mm-hmm. we know that there is a certain fruit to righteousness. And so um, we're going to sin. Um, and the beautiful thing about that as we segue into chapter two is that the Bible says that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, which is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We only have that advocate if we're choosing to walk in light. Right. Because right. that's specifically for those who are in the fellowship. So if you're choosing to walk in light as you sin, we know that the light will then expose that that evilness in our heart. And we then say, oh, Lord, I repent to that. I, I want to continue to move closer to you. So in that, we recognize that because of our fellowship, we're continuing to walk towards light. So as the light continues to expose the dark corners of our heart, and I think we talked about that a little bit last month, is are we going to give God all of us? As we give him our complete self, we recognize that, okay, this little corner over here that I kind of let kind of stay dormant. Okay, the Lord mm-hmm. is exposing that by the spirit, right? By the word as being yeah. revealed about myself. What am I going to do with that? And so little by little, we're going to see hopefully the fruit of continuing to walk in the light. Yeah. And, you know, just to cap that off is just, again, this is not about making somebody feel condemnation because John talked about that very much in the gospel of John, um, that it's not about to condemn the world because that's not what he's here to do. But 
you know, he is like a father. He is there to discipline us, instruct us in righteousness. And anybody that is a good parent does discipline and instruct their children. And it's not always a pleasant, smooth situation. There are some times that, you know, you do have to get corrected or checked. And I'm quick to say, like, we all need to be checked and nobody's exempt from getting checked. And um, verse nine, we just have to stop being sensitive because it's just saying, like, if you confess your sin, he's faithful to forgive it, you know, and that is simply just agreeing. Like I said earlier, you're agreeing with what you have learned in the word. Once you get to that part or once you see it or once God brings your attention and you hear it, you know, you receive that what he said was true. Um, you receive that what you read, um, you're not in alignment with. And you um, agree with God that it's true what you're seeing and hearing. And then just confess, like, Lord, like, I am not loving people right. Lord, I'm not treating folk right. Or I'm not doing whatever it is that you just saw right there. Confess it and he'll forgive you. And then not only that, don't do it again, you know, like work at practicing righteousness, practicing um, the other thing so that you can be perfected in righteousness. So it, it is simpler when we really personalize it. But when we're in our feelings and we're being sensitive about all this, like God is not trying to condemn us to hell on every little thing. just because you get that conviction in your spirit. He's not saying you're going to hell tonight because you did that. He's bringing it to your attention so you can say like, hey, truth, this is true. And I like in Psalms, the psalmist David was always saying, Lord, examine me. See if there's any wicked way within me. Why don't we ask the Lord to examine us? Mm -hmm. And if we are asking the Lord to examine us, why are we mad when he shows us? You know, that's him showing you so that you can confess that and you can fix that. So that's how I, like I just that. wanted to cap that part. Yeah, I like that. And, and you know, I was actually thinking about this yesterday when it came to sin is, you know, it says that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, right, in Romans. Mm -hmm. But there's no condemnation, but there is consequence. And so yeah. we have to understand that Obviously, again, the Lord disciplines those who he loves, not necessarily every time you sin. Again, obviously, if you're in a state of sin and you're doing what you shouldn't be doing, obviously, there might be some consequences to that. But again, like you said, you know, the Lord is gentle and patient to point things out to us. And we might not, not necessarily always have a consequence per se. Uh, and so that's the beauty of him saying, hey, this is this is not the way. And so he'll give us his word. He'll give us his spirit to be able to convict us. And it is our responsibility to change that. So we might not necessarily see a consequence all the time because if we're able to see that. So let's say, for example, I, I snap at my, my children. Immediately, I'm going to say the Lord's going to nudge me and say, hey, that was not that wasn't godly. That wasn't kind. That wasn't loving. It wasn't gentle. OK, I have a responsibility at that point to then go and make that right. So we don't not we might not necessarily always see the consequence uh, immediately. But if right. we continue to walk in unchecked sin, like you said, that that's when we'll begin to see those consequences. So we have to understand, again, like you said, no condemnation. And I love how he begins to segue into to chapter two, leaving that part about sin is he says, my little children. So he's speaking again from a fatherly role as a term of endearment to say, I'm writing you these things. So one, so that you don't sin, but then also so you know, um, I love your commentary on so you know. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of fall back and let you kind of jump back into, into chapter two. Um, and then I'll kind of, kind of piggyback off of you. So, um, yeah, take us there. 
So I have to admit that, you know, I, back in the day, Friends, the sitcom was like one of my shows back in the day. And something that was a famous line from that, from anybody who was um, a viewer of that, there was an episode where one of the lines was, they don't know that we know they know we know. Um, so when I read this chapter, preparing for this, that's what came to me. But like, how we know, we know, we know. So in other words, how we know that we know that we really know what we know from the word. Okay. So it kind of goes back to the message that we heard and the truth that God is saying. But reading verses three through six in chapter two, it says, by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments as a liar and the truth is not in him, which we have already said in chapter one. Verse 6, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walks. So in other words, this is basically just saying that um, we're, we're reiterating the point that we said in chapter 1, but we're taking it another level deeper. We're saying, okay, so here's how you know and here's how we know for ourselves, that we have come to know him. So if you're saying that you know him, you're saying that you're in fellowship with him, are you keeping his commandments? Period. Mm. <laughs> That's what he's saying. By this, you'll know that. And then he says, okay, well, if you say I know him, but you don't keep your, his commandments, you're a liar. So mm. he keep, he's just being all the way real with them. He's not <laughs> sugarcoating it. And I love that part because, you know, you're not telling the truth right now. You're not. He's just all saying, look, <laughs> if you say you know him, <laughs> but you are not keeping his commandments. If you are not obeying the word of the Lord, okay, you are a liar and the truth is not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll put that on t-shirt. I don't care. <laughs> but then he says, whoever obeys the word, okay, in that individual, truly the love of God is perfected. And what they mean by that is the love of God is what? If you love me, obey me. If you love me, keep my commandments. So they're saying that the person who is obeying and keeping the word of God is showing that they really love God by obeying him. And then he finally uh, caps that by saying, by this, we know that we're in him. Whoever says he abides in him should walk the same way that Jesus walks. So at this point, you're practicing to be like your father. It goes back to what are you practicing? So are you practicing the righteousness of God? Or are we the father of lies, which is the devil? You know, the devil is a liar. Um, one of the things I really, really loved um, was Matthew chapter 5 when I was going through this part because, um, you know, this is kind of like when he's doing the Sermon on the Mount and he's talking about the Beatitudes all this stuff. And so there's a point after blessed are the, the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So if you go on down to verses 43 through 48, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? 
Do not even the tax collectors and sinners, they say, do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So again, this is basically, in another word, saying practice makes perfect. Mm. What are you doing? So you have heard the world tell you, man, you shouldn't love your enemies. Man, uh, eye for an eye, a two for a tooth. And prior to all that, he had been saying, you've heard it been said, don't commit adultery. You have heard him say, I for an I, two for two. But I'm telling you, this is what I'm telling you. This is what they're saying, and this is what you've heard, but this is what I'm telling you to do. My people are to love their enemies. My people are to uh, be kind to those who are unlovable. And so in, in our lives, we may have enemies that are just outright enemies. But it's not just like outright enemies. It's people who are difficult to love, a challenge to love, including enemies. Um, I thought about the whole loving of the unlovable. And it takes a determined intentionality to do what God is saying when you have heard one thing, the world is telling you one way of life, one way of, man, if I was you, this is what, this is what I would do. Or, man, that's karma. Or, man... Just whatever the world would dictate that your action should be that is totally opposite of what God is saying. Um, but we have to respond in a way that pleases God, is in line with his word, and what he's saying. And so in practicality, we need to see how can I do this when I'm having challenges with people. And I definitely experience this thing at work. I mean, if I don't experience it anywhere else, work is the main place, and I'm sure I do, but the primary place on a consistent basis, I personally am talking for myself. This refers to me right now in my life and has been for a while because I constantly have waves of uh, people who have turned themselves into enemies. Like, I don't turn them into that, but they choose to be that. Um, so they, they are a challenge to love. And I have to come to God, and I have to be like, okay, like you said, Loving out loud is loving everybody in your vicinity, mm -hmm. right? And I have to pray, um, not just for myself, but I have to pray for their mind. I have to pray for their heart. I have to bless them with my words. I can't uh, speak to them crazy just because they talk to me crazy. I have to be graceful and gentle when they're being mean and messy and petty. Um, I have to respond to their negativity in a different way than what the world or natural people would tell you to do. And God soothes my soul. And God will soothe your soul when you do what he's telling you to do. Um, and not only that, he'll give you direction on what to say and do. And the other point I want to say about this as far as sacrificial love, um, um, sacrificial love is like obe is sacrificial obedience. Um, I know that I've often talked about how obedience is sacrifice, right? And so obeying God's word when it's hard to obey God's word is a sacrifice. And that comes from Romans chapter 12 when he's talking about um, our bodies being a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. It's the least we can do. Um, the, in this instance, loving people or, or being kind to those who are ungrateful and un, um, evil it's not our personal bank account that we are withdrawing love from. And, and God blew my mind when he gave this to me. We are literally cashing in on God's account. He's just simply made us signers on his account, his funds, 
so that we are literally spending his love on other people to cover our insufficient funds. Wow. So when you show love, you're giving them God. You're showing them God mm. because God is love. So I don't have it to give you because I don't love you right now. But God mm. in me has to love you because he is love. So I'm just going to give you God. And how do I give you God? I give you the word and not just like giving you verbally of, of scripture. I have to find the scripture of what God is telling me to do in this moment to obey him and to literally demonstrate that. And I think that falls into when you're talking about demonstrating light and demonstrating, you know, love. Um, that's what I kind of pulled from this whole section right here. So as we walk in love, we're walking in godliness toward them. Yeah. The thing that I had, there was two things that I kind of peeled from what you said. Um, and one, um, I'll kind of get into in a second about the perfecting. Um, but when you talk about loving your enemies um, and how, you know, it's been heard, but then he said, well, this is how I say it. It's interesting that when we deal with the obedience, as you were just kind of describing right now, we have to understand that Christ was the fulfillment of the law. So mm -hmm. when he came and presented that love, um, you know how he's saying this in chapter two that, you know, it's an old commandment, but it's a new commandment. It's, it's kind of confusing in a sense the way we read it. But in essence, he's basically saying like this has been from the beginning. However, mm -hmm. you heard it one way and it was almost like they got away with not being able to love, like you said, the unloved. So it was like, yeah, I love yeah. people, but like, I don't love that person. Um, and even right. like when, when you heard, I was talking about the the uh, commandment and he was like, well, who's my neighbor? You know what I mean? Like almost in a sense of like, <laughs> is it that person? Because like, I'm already loving some other folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I do love, you know what I'm saying? It's not everybody, right. but like nobody right. has a person to hate, right? So even yeah. in that sense, like, that was kind of the point, right? Um, how you're talking about mm -hmm. obedience and sacrifices that, like, with Christ being that light, yes, we have to perfect our love beyond even what we think naturally is normal, right? What, what's mm -hmm. acceptable. So the fact that we're to love our enemies, like, that, being able to do something like that gives us the admonishment that we're walking in light because we shouldn't hate anyone, Mm -hmm. if, if we're to truly obey the word like we can't ever use the word hate unless we're talking about sin and evil because mm -hmm. if we're hating a person we cannot love and hate it simultaneously so again you're a liar and the truth is not in you uh, <laughs> the, the thing i loved about that and, and the point i wanted to peel from that is that we can't know the truth or tell the truth unless we live the truth and mm -hmm. so when it says that you're not telling the truth and you're a liar, it's because if you don't, if you're not obedient, you can't tell the truth because you don't know it wow. unless you're intimate with it. Right. So unless you're truly living it or practicing it, which I think we'll probably get into in chapter three is that you can't, you can't say that you're in fellowship if you're not in agreement with one of the, the bylaws, exactly. the primary right. bylaw, which is the greatest commandment, which is to love. So right. I, Again, like, I love how you keep saying, like, it's so simplistic in terms of his message. And, and, you know, how we talked about at the beginning that, you know, this is like a dad talking to his children. Like, hey, look, guys, like, I'm keeping it 100 with y'all. Like, if you're in this family, like, and we joke around, like, hey, that's for me and my house. Like, we don't serve the Lord. Like, you know, I want my, my kids to love the Lord, you know, because I serve the Lord. Right. And so, obviously, that's what mm -hmm. I'm going to teach them is the word of God is going to teach them biblical principles and foundations. Right. Of faith, right. And so if they're walking around and they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, I'm going to be like, Hey, um, we don't do that. Right. And so right. I think that's what John is doing in a sense is like, Hey, like if you're hating folk, 
you ain't in this. Like, you're not among this fellowship. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're saying is that when you say that the truth is not in you, the truth is God, the truth is Christ. And so if we're saying wow, that Christ yeah. commands us to love, you ain't of us. You know what I'm saying? If, yeah. if you can't even do that, because that's the great, that's the bare minimum, because he says, if you could do these two things, all the law hangs upon these two things is loving God and loving people. So if you're not mm-hmm. even loving people and, and another pastor, you can't love the brother who you can't see then how you can i'm sorry if you can't yeah. love the brother who you can't see how are you going to love the god who you can't see so it all centers around our relationship with people and if we can't love people well then he's already saying look you got the whole thing already mi- mixed up so mm-hmm. are you in the light or are you in the dark like i'm trying yeah. to basically let you know in plain english dark and light you hate people you're in the dark <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If yeah. you love people, then like you said you're gonna even though it might be hard sometimes you're gonna be obedient enough to say I like, let me find that scripture because um, God is love. And therefore I have to love. Or when it says love is mm-hmm. patient. Okay. That means I got to be patient. Even though I want to just like spasm this person, like the Bible says love is patient. Therefore I have to love differently. And of course we can go into all the Greek of, about the different types of love, but we know that agape love is sacrificial. And so understanding that is that it is the love that gives of itself. Yeah. Christ, Christ gave himself even while we were enemies, Romans 5, 8, right? So if he loved mm-hmm. us, even when we were wild and we hated him, Come on, that's He's it our right example, there. Which means that you know what I'm saying, yeah. like I'm gonna have to just Man. fall back and be like, "How is my situation even better than Christ when I put him yeah. on the cross?" You know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. we killed him, and we out here making a, a mockery of. Well, I don't really like that person, so I'm just gonna be me. Well, then you're not being Christ, and you're a liar, and Dude. the truth is not in you. You know what I'm saying? Dude. Like, we, we just gonna keep it all the way real. You know what I'm saying? Man. Um, <laughs> so, so, so you stepped on everything I was gonna say right there. You already said it, so I'm not gonna re-say that. But you're you're pulling me back on 45 because all that you're saying, okay, why is he saying this? He said, you've heard it said, but I'm telling you this. Why? So that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Okay, that's the first part. So that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Remember we said, as many as received him, his word, then he gives the power to become the sons of God. At this point, it's the power of choice because you're choosing to obey and agree with the word and be the son of God, or disagree with the word and not be the son of God. But then he says, and he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So just that part made me think about when you broke down the Greek for light, he makes his sun shine Mm. on the evil and the good. So he doesn't just shine on the people he likes and the people that are good. He shined on us too, just like you said, when we were his enemies. When we were in darkness, because you said in Ephesians, we were sometimes darkness. So at that point, we were the unlovable ones. And that was another thing that God, you know, um, showed me during this whole thing about the love and unlovable, because we were unlovable. I was unlovable Mm -hmm. to him at one point in time. And so if he can love me no differently then, and it's not like because I'm saved now, he loves me more. He loves me the same as he did when I wasn't thinking about him. He treated me the same. I just wasn't um, as available to, I didn't have as much access to all the perks and benefits that his children have because I wasn't walking as, as his child. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and like, that's I a beautiful picture. I had his picture. grace. Yeah, I had that's his a beautiful grace picture. Mercy. <laughs> when, you, when you say that he loved, uh, he loved us as unlovable. His love, because you were talking about earlier that we um, have to love those even when it's difficult. His love to the unlovable and it was initiated. 
So yeah. the fact that we are now where we are was because of an initiation of something that, okay, in our yeah. natural sense, we would not have done. But if we want different results, the only way yeah. that that's going to be different, because we already know the world is wild and it's going to continue to operate on its own standard, is by initiating that same type of love. As mm-hmm. the Bible says, that it's like keeping hot coals on its head. Like they can't experience true change and the spirit of God moving and acting on that situation without us initiating the spirit of God. Right. Because like yeah. you said, we, if we're using his his bankroll, you know what I'm saying, if you will, then <laughs> the only way that we're actually going to see it differently is by investing him. If we try to go yeah. in naturally and say, well, I'm going to go do this or I don't love them. So they don't love me. So whatever. I'm just if we don't show a different picture, then yeah. we are never initiating true sacrifice or true love because we're always going to show what they expect. But if we yeah. do something that they don't expect, that's when we can actually see true fruit because they're like, hmm. I deserve to be told off, but I wasn't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that when we can actually be sacrificial and genuine in that love, not just doing it out of spite, because again, God loves a cheerful giver. You can't give begrudgingly, even though you don't yeah. want to do it. You have to then begin to change and, and, and allow God to work on your heart so that you do actually operate in love because love that doesn't love is not love. <laughs> right? So yeah. You can't say I'm going to just act in love simply because that's what love demonstrates. Because again, love is kind and love is patient. Love has a certain fruit to it. So if it's a righteous love, you can't love somebody righteously while being unrighteous at the same time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, I hope that makes sense. But. Yeah, yeah. And all I can say to that at the end of it all is that just like God's love compelled us, like he made that initiation, he made that initial deposit and investment in us, and it drew us, it compelled us. It's not always going to work with every person on earth, um, but even in our life, we will see when we are consistent and obedient, we will see some people that will feel convicted because they know they're wrong and they're treating us foul. And when we show them God's love, like it will turn them around. And I have witnessed that in my experience where um, people, they may, some have apologized. Some um, didn't exactly say what they did, but they, they saw a consistent pattern. Like she is not treating me the way I deserve to be treated. Like she's not so bad after all. Like they didn't become believers. But they just stopped the evilness that they had been giving towards me because I did not return to them what they were doing, rendering evil for evil, right? So you just don't know. And our job is not to practice with who it's easy to practice with and when we want to and, you know, with only the brethren. (laughs) You know, we have to practice with everyone. (laughs) Yeah. No, I like that. Um, And so I just want to read real quick. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, because, um, again, just going back to verse 6, um, the one who says that he walks in him also ought to walk just as he walked. So if we say that we walk in light, um, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. And this is the beautiful piece that we're talking about, you know, it being a righteous love. It says an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. So. Again, Cain and Abel both gave a sacrifice. One wasn't pleasing mm-hmm. to God, right? So we can't just say, ah, I loved him. Well, did you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. So, again, it has to be a sacrifice that is pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. And so when we say that we're going to walk in love, at times it might hurt us, but we still have to be obedient to the Lord. And we can't give God a half-hearted approach. Like, okay, God, I'm just going to do it because you said so. Mm-hmm. If this is who we walk in, then this is what we have to show. This is what we have to be. We have to be imitators of God because, again... We were foul. We were wicked. 
And God still mm-hmm. said, I'm going to stretch out my hand to you. So that love, we can never understand and comprehend to its fullness. But we have to continue to press towards that in our own individual lives. Um, a lot can be said about that. But I want to definitely, as we think about that, because I think people will be in different stages of how to live that out. Um, and I think as we move into the, the back half of chapter two, he begins to now talk about different maturity levels. And so he's approaching three different types of people as he talks to um, children, fathers, and young men in uh, verses 12 through 14. I'll just kind of go through this really quick, but it speaks to a level of, of maturity and how he speaks to them. So he speaks to children and he, it's a warning um, because they're immature. It says, uh, I speak to you children because you know the father. Um, and it says, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. So he speaks to children uh, in a level of immaturity and as encouragement and as a warning to them because obviously they don't know. Um, he then goes into speaking to young men and he says, because you have overcome the evil one. And he says that two times. And then he says, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. So you can kind of think of that Christian that kind of is kind of maturing, has kind of been around for a minute. So there's an acknowledgement to, hey, you have overcome. Um, and then secondly, you've persevered. You've, you've remained. You've been steadfast. Um, and then he speaks to fathers and he says, because you know him who's from the beginning. So I love how he then went back to that beginning because it speaks to you heard, you received. And you'll be right. <laughs> Come on here. Um, Come on. And so I, I think, you know, we can kind of get lost in that because if you're just reading it, you're just reading like, yeah, I'm writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven. I'm writing to you fathers. And you're like, okay, like he's writing to different people, but like you might not read it as he's speaking certain things to those certain individuals. So again, mm-hmm. kind of be like, you know, a father reading out a will or just writing a letter like, Hey, tell your younger brother, I love him. Hey, you're the older brother. Like you're going to take care of the sister. Like he's speaking to certain sects of, of individuals, but he's mm-hmm. saying something specific to their level of understanding. And so I think that was a beautiful picture as going back to this. We just spent a whole course of time talking about loving the unlovable and doing something that's difficult. Like that doesn't change regardless of who you are. Yet mm-hmm. he can talk to them differently because they are in different populations. However, yeah. the commandment doesn't change, but he understands that he is talking to different levels of maturity. So I think that's a beautiful picture. It doesn't change the requirement, like you said, but it definitely speaks to the fact that we're not all at the same place. And so, again, that goes back to are we willing to walk in the light, even though we might not all be at the same level? Are we at least willing to walk and practice righteousness, even if mm-hmm. there might be some rocky steps, it might be a bumpy road, but are we still willing to take those steps and walk in the right direction? Or are we going to lie to ourselves and say, well, I don't have to do that because I'm just not there. Like, I'm not nobody's father, so I don't have to be mature in this moment because mm-hmm. I just got saved. No, if you're in the faith, if you're walking, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't change simply because you ain't been in 20 years. Like, the requirement right. I have is going to be the same requirement I the Lord expects from my son, right? And so it doesn't right. change, but we might respond to them differently. And that's the first Thessalonians 5 is, you know, we might help the weak. We might admonish the idol. But yet the commandment is still going to be the same, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love this, the way that you did that, because the way that it's encapsulated, when I kind of look at the snapshot, it takes me back to how you brought the introduction in with that whole parental letter, you know, um, like he's telling his children this. And if you look at him telling his children this, it's almost like you're trying to tell them as much as you possibly can in um, as brief of a letter as you possibly can. Um, but you want to warn them, you want to, you know, exhort them, encourage them. Um, you want to talk to them about multiple subjects at, at the same time, but not be exhaustive. And so, you know, yes, we talked about loving, you know, 
as in here it talks about loving brothers and sisters and loving enemies and all that type of stuff. But that, and he's also talking about like warning against the evil and um, the evil one and the antichrist. And um, even if we weave in that Matthew part where we talked about, you have heard it said this way. Well, when we talk about like the antichrist um, and the evil ones in this kind of chapter, it's more like the teachings and, and the deceptions of people who are going to try to tell you things that are opposite of what I'm telling you. So He's just trying to warn as much as possible. And I get such that, I don't know, like I feel it in my, my heart gets quickened when I read it like that, because as a parent, you know, um, I can relate to that. Like you wanting to tell your child something and pour out as much as you can, um, whether it's, you know, you're about to leave somewhere or they're about to leave somewhere or whatever the case is, you just want to give them as much as you possibly can so that they'll have it and you always want to prepare them. You know, you always want them to not just be prepared and not um, scared prepared, you know, um, but warned and encouraged. And I feel like this is a beautiful combination of like feeling loved, feeling um, the terms of endearment, feeling warned. Um, and again, just, you know, that those moments of being checked because it's like, I'm not checking you right now, but here's how you could check yourself, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, to see where you are, but this is how you'll know where you are based off of what I'm telling you. If you always come back to my word, if you always remember the messages I told you, um, we don't have to go back over those, but you know what I said, this is how you know what I'm telling you. And so it just makes me think about all of that in, in one nutshell. Yeah, and it just provides a, a real practical picture, even of us on Earth. Like, you know, every time I say, like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna go to the store real quick," or "Hey, I'm headed to work." Hey, be careful. You know, be safe. You know, we say uh-huh. things like that, and it's kind of that same connotation, right? It's just like, you know, even just that little thing. Like, you're not really telling me what to do, but you're reminding me of something. Like, okay, I got to make sure, like, I'm, I, you know, I look both ways, and I slow down at, at yellow lights, like things like that. Like, it, it kind of brings back, again, from the beginning. This is what you heard, and so. I think because of the fact that in this uh, day and age that they were dealing with, I think Gnosticism at the time and just a lot of deception um, in Uh that day that it was important for them to say, hey, because you heard something from the beginning, like, don't lose sight of that. Like, we told you the truth. And so Uh we're saying what we're saying because we don't want you to believe opposite. But you shouldn't because you knew from the beginning. You know what I'm saying? And so it's almost like this, this beautiful picture of like, okay, you know better. But just in case you don't, I'm going to let you know. But you all, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just going back and forth. Right. And so, like I said, it, it's so cool how, like, you read the chapter and it's a different subject. But then it just weaves back to the beginning of the whole thing. Like, this is why I wrote the letter. Because I'm saying the same things all the way throughout. But I'm adding a little piece as I go every single every single chapter, every single chapter. So it's just mm-hmm. a beautiful reminder of he's talking about love. But then he's going to add practice. And he's going to talk about practice. And he's going to add deception. And, and just weaving in this mm-hmm. whole thing. But it's just this one ball of, like, I want you to know the truth because you're in the truth and don't be deceived. So yeah. that's just the, the, the piece that I, I took from that. And, you know, just the final nugget that I even noticed looking at it too, again, is just that those three stages, they're a progression. So like one stage doesn't leave the other undone once you go to the next one. So mm-hmm. like once you're at the father's level, you still have all the things that the children had and the young man had. So once you're a father in maturity, you still know the father, like the children knew the father. Yeah. <laughs> um, you heard the Antichrist and deception could be there and that Antichrist are present. That ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Um, and you 
one as a father because he said you're strong and the word of God abides in you. So if you're at the father stage, you have overcome some evil, you know, and you're going to still have to keep overcoming evil, but you overcome it through the word of God. And he says you're strong and the word of God abides in you. So at that point, you know him and he's just saying it all again from the beginning. So it's, it's not like one and then you leave that and then it's just the other one. It's, it's a, it's a development. Um, and you have all of them by the time you reach that that final stage. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. So much can be said, but we'll we'll move on to chapter three. So um, mm-hmm. this is where it gets real meaty for me. I love it. Uh, three and four. Um, so at the beginning of chapter three, and I'm gonna kind of let you uh, jump into the the practice or the live portion. Um, but just at the beginning, um, I, I didn't want to miss this. Um, he talks about a future glorification and a present hope. And so we've been talking about perfection and I, I love how you kind of segued that last piece about it's a progression, um, but we don't forget the last step. And so even as a father stage, if we said, Hey, I'm a father, I'm mature in Christ. There's still even more beyond that, even though it's not directly mentioned as, okay, I'm talking to old men, you know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. But there's this future glorification. Um, we read verses one through three of chapter three, and it says, um, see what sort of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And we are because of this, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that whenever he is revealed, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as one is pure. So currently we're children of God. (laughs) It's not saying that, hey, we have this future glorification of like, okay, you're going to be children of God one day. We might look like him in one sense. um, But here on earth right now, we're still to be imitators of God. (laughs) Like that doesn't Uh change today. Um, And so even though there's a future glorification, there's still a present sense of us being glorified. Um, It says, and everyone who has this hope of the future glorification purifies himself now just as one is pure. So we may not look like it in in appearance, but we must constantly be conformed to the image of God by our love and by our practice. And so that's what I think chapter three gets into. Um, And so I kind of want to let you kind of jump on that for a minute, but I just wanted to kind of help kind of package that because I think at times we have this understanding of like, man, I'm going to heaven and we we, we get so heavenly focused that we forget that we still have to live like heaven while we're still here <laughs> because yeah. we are children of God. So um, yeah. I kind of let you speak to that in the practice. Say that, say that, <laughs> live like heaven, sir. Say that, okay? <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to go in through Amplified because um, Amplified can just sometimes just bring it. So... <laughs> I'm going to read this um, 3, 4, and then 6 through 10, and then we're just going to let it go from there. And it says, and all who focus their hope on him will always be purifying themselves just as Jesus is pure. So you just read, purify him yourself as Jesus is pure. Mm-hmm. Um, this is saying it in an amplified version. So if we are focusing our hope on him, we will always be purifying ourselves. Um, just as Jesus is pure. Verse 4, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, ignoring God's law by action or neglect or by tolerating wrongdoing, being unrestrained by his commands and his will. I'm going to stop for a second because <laughs> I just can't. I, I, I mean, whoever makes a practice. Now, y'all, I already set you up. Like, what are we practicing, Right. He's getting into the nitty gritty by giving you this um, 
illustration of how you're practicing sinning. So are you ignoring the word by your actions, right? And I know last year, I can't tell you which one, maybe it was trial period, I don't know which one, but I talked about how action and inaction are both, um, I can't remember what the quote was, basically it, it's a telling of the mind, like your body has decided and action and and inaction is a decision. It's an activity, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So if you do act, you're doing something. And if you don't act, you've done something as well because you haven't done the word of God. So if you ignore the word by your action or lack of action, if you neglect the word or if you tolerate wrongdoing, if you're unrestrained by God's commands and his will. So basically, like we had talked about earlier, you're reading the word disagreeing with what it's saying about your condition. You're basically overlooking your state and you're saying that that's not true. So his commandments and his will has no restraint to what you're doing of your lifestyle. Verse six says, no one who abides in him, who remains united in fellowship with him. <laughs> this is how you know you're in fellowship with him. So we talked about if you're in darkness, um, you cannot simultaneously be in fellowship with him. So no one who abides in him, remaining united in fellowship with him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. So this is what you said earlier. Um, we all sin, but mm -hmm. for believers who are trying to live godly, righteous lives, we sin less because we are allowing ourselves to be checked, and we are confessing, we're repenting, and we are turning. Repenting and turning are together. So we really should say it together every time we say repent because I repent is not an apology and keep going about your business. Mm. Repent requires a change in direction, a change in your mindset. Because if your mind changes, then your direction changes. Your actions will change at that point. So he's saying if you have fellowship with God and you say you're abiding in him, you will not deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practice sin. No one who habitually sins, right, has seen him or known him. Little children, believers, and dear ones. Let me go back real quick. No one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. Back to John 1 and 1. Him is the word. So how many times have we seen in the Gospels where he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the mm -hmm. Spirit says. Yeah. So he says that. Some have eyes to see and see not and ears to hear, but they hear not. So this is what that applies to, because he says if you're habitually sinning, you haven't seen the word and you don't know the word, period, because you're reading, but you're not receiving. You're seeing it, but you're blinded. And I think we kind of gloss over that part um, of darkness where it says, like, if you're walking in darkness, uh, you're blinded by the darkness that you're walking in. Like, you just cannot see, literally. Um so little children, verse 7, believers, dear ones, do not let, let anyone lead you astray. Um, and anyone, even in the name of the Lord, <laughs> lead you astray. So that's even how deceivers and antichrist can, can come and deceive you because they can call on or employ the name of the Lord and lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness, the one who strives to live a consistently honorable life in private as well as in public, come on here and to conform to God's precepts is righteous, just as he is righteous. 
the one who practices sin, separating himself from God, and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion. Whoa! Like, right there, if I was reading the Word and I saw that, and I knew I was practicing sin deliberately and habitually, I would have felt some kind of way right there. Because mm-hmm. it said that I'm separating myself from God and offending God by my acts of disobedience, yeah. indifference, or rebellion. He's saying this person is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, the devil, not God. (laughs) For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin, because God's seed, his word, his principle of life, the essence of his righteous character, remains permanently in him. Who is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart for his purpose. And he who was born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin. Why? Because he is born of God and longs to please him. And that part alone, you're always talking about delighting in God. Why don't we delight in God? Because if you delight in God, you long to please him. So if you don't long to please him by your righteous living, then this applies to you. Verse 10, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, who does not seek God, who does not seek God's will in thought, in action, and purpose is not of God. By this, okay, he's given us another example of how we can tell. If we're the children of God, there's no other father that you can have. So if we were on the Maury show from back in the day, (laughs) you know, the paternity test, you are not the father right here. Um, By this, you would know the children of the devil and the children of God are clearly identified, clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, not seeking God's will in your thoughts, your action or your purpose. So basically, the whole point of this is what are you practicing like we started and we've been building to this point? What are you executing? What are you applying? What are you habitually doing? And um, in Greek, that word means to abide and agree and do without any delay. (laughs) So I know last month we talked about um, in the Psalms, right, one of those passages said that I will not delay to do your word, right? Mm -hmm. I will not delay why is it that we're delaying to do or execute or apply the word of God? Because we don't agree with it. Therefore, we're not abiding in it. Therefore, we won't do it. And what you're practicing, you're working that repeatedly because you intend, whether consciously or subconsciously, to become proficient at it. So what are you training yourself into? Are you training yourself in righteousness or unrighteousness? Yeah, I mean, you just took the words right out of my mouth there at the end because, uh, you know, the entire time I just kept hearing the word practice. And I think about a sport is that we are practicing to get better at something. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if you're practicing sin, then your intention is to perfect sin. Um, And so, (laughs) so, um, you know, and actually the word practice is the same Greek word for live. Um, and so when you say live righteously, that means you're supposed to be practicing righteousness. 
Wow. Um, so if you're living in sin, if you're practicing sin, that means you're living in sin. So you're choosing mm. to make your abode, which I think we spoke about last month. Um, mm-hmm. You're choosing to make your abode in sin. So you abide in him or you abide in sin. So you're, you're taking your pick there. Um, and again, you said by this, you should know. <laughs> again, a repetition of that knowledge is that there is an obvious mark of a believer. Um, and I believe those two things are righteousness and love. So if we love people and we are we have righteous acts, I think those are true telling signs of where our heart is centered on. Again, we're not going to be perfect. But again, if you make your practice in something, meaning that you have a desire to perfect, I love how you keep saying that, um, that because God is the word, that when you say that if you know him it means you know the word. Um, how else can you hide God's word in your heart if you don't read it, right? So if we uh-huh. go back to that piece is if you're making your practice to be righteous, what are the things that you would do to, to accomplish that? So again, um, and I was thinking about this the other day and, and was just genuinely convicted about, you know, time. And we talk a lot about, you know, time management and, and, and what is, where is our heart and where is our delight? But if you were to say that your devotion was kind of okay this is something i do every day let's just say you have a, a regular devotion time how how much of the day is centered upon you doing your devotions let's say your devotion is five minutes ten minutes here that means that you're giving god 10 minutes out of 24 hours let's uh-huh. just say everything that's all you do this is, i did a devotion i read this I'm, I'm done i think we have to get to some understanding of that's not practice. Like, I don't think you can do anything right. for 10 minutes a day and just assume like you're going to get there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, uh, and then we talk about prayer, like how, how many minutes a day do you pray? You might pray for three minutes and you get tired. You, you run out of stuff to say and you stop. So, okay. you got a 10 minute, five to 10 minute devotion, a three minute prayer. And what else happens after that? So you're saying 13 minutes out of 24 hours wow. that you're, <laughs> you're spending with the Lord, but that's supposed to wow. be your life. So when we, we talk about Colossians where it says, if Christ who is our life, you know, yes. we're hidden in Christ. You can't hide God's word in your heart for 13 minutes. That's not hiding. That's right. You know <laughs> like, I mean, oh, you hide it all right. Let's, but let's just hide the like, word. <laughs> so we, we have to understand that, like, yeah. what do we do a lot? Um, and I think we were talking earlier this wow. week about, uh, okay. you know, cell phones. Like, we spend a lot of time on our cell phones. And I actually wrote a sermon one time about um, our cell phone and how, like, how much we care for our phone, how much like we won't leave the house without our phone. And so we, we spend so much time around our phone. And so then I said, okay, let's take it a step deeper because I'm never not around my phone either, but that's because my phone is my computer. It's my iPad. I mean, my, my iPod. So I'm listening to music on it. Um, you know, I have the Bible and like, I use it pretty much as my, like I have my wallet on it. So everything I need to do is through my phone. So I don't necessarily just use my phone as some game piece, but if we just use our phone as, okay, we have a phone, we it's essential, that's fine. So then I said, okay, let's take it a step further. Like, look at the apps you have on your phone. Like, how many mm-hmm. of those apps actually are, are applicable? Because if an app is meant to help make something easier and to accomplish a purpose, do any of your phone phone's applications have any purpose or intent to your life? Because that's mm-hmm. very telling. I mean, if you have your game folder has 30 apps in there and... Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's on the front, then that's uh-huh. really telling of what you use your phone for. So again, right. I think even as we're talking about applying Christ, do we spend more than the 13 minutes really saying God, because or, and especially if we are unrighteous, like if we find that there's flaws and, and, and we really are genuine about trying to, to move forward because I speak to individuals and they're like, man, like I, I struggle with the sin and it, it's just difficult. Okay. Are you trying to approach the Lord? Because I think that's where you have to look at is where is the, where's the gap? 
So if you're, you're not spending any time with the Lord, but you find yourself in repeated sin, it's because mm-hmm. you're practicing things that are not helping you to do things that are righteous. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, not, it's not a difficult concept, but you have to be willing to make God a priority. Because if you don't delight in the mm-hmm. Lord, you're not going to delight in righteousness, which means you're going to be delighting in sin and practicing sin. And you're going to wonder why you're falling short because you don't yeah. care. So I, mm-hmm. I say that kind of flippantly, or, or I say it kind of not flippantly, but... Um, Kind of harshly in a sense, because I want to admonish you that when you find yourself in a repeated pattern, it's because you want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's not like it's just a vice where it's like, man, I just can't get out of this. Like, yeah. It's real simple if you want to get out of it, because you would actually yeah. make the decision to say, I need to get out of this because I'm recognizing through reading the word that this is a sin and I need to walk away from that. The Bible yeah. says, resist the devil and he will flee. So if you mm. ain't resisted, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're cool with that. So you have to at some point acknowledge where your delight is because if it stems from situations that are not godly it's because you delight in those things because you're going to make habits out of things that you want to do so it says the one who habitually sins if you're habitually sinning it's because that sin is now a habit to you because you enjoy doing it everything i do as a habit is because i like it you know what i'm saying like i don't have habits that i I want to break necessarily Mm -hmm. and if i want to break them then i'm going to break them and they're no longer habits so think mindset wise what am i desiring to do otherwise you're going to continue to do the things that you want to do and then Romans 7 doesn't apply to you <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good because you know um and i want to say this part too because you know a lot of times people can hear us and they they hear our zeal for now right and and the zeal that we have for now i feel like is a developed zeal like we developed the the degree of delight that we have right now right and I can only speak for myself, but, like, you can hear us saying this, and you can think, man, they've been saved 20 years. They've been doing this the whole time. Like, they've been in the Word, like, um, however many hours. They've been praying, like, from day one, which is not true, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And I can speak for me that it took a, several years to develop the delight. And it wasn't like, you know, it, it took intentionality, and it took – laying something down to pick more of God up, right? So, like, if I, we often talk about binging, you know, Netflix or binging whatever. We didn't even have Netflix in the days that we were first saved. Mm-mm. So, I mean, like, at this point in time, I'm still watching. I think you had regular, to actually uh, uh, buy the movie and they had to send it right, to you. <laughs> like you had, right. Like, we had actual, t- like, cable TV. You had uh, DVDs. At this point in time, some of us still have VHS tapes, like, there were other ways that we could binge um, the things that we wanted to watch. Like I used to watch soap operas, like drama series, like all kind of stuff back in the earlier days. Um, but I had to choose in my mind to lay those things down and pick up more of God. So, and not only that, but like choose more edifying things. Because as I stepped away from delighting in the drama and the nonsense, and when you can think about, okay, Philippians 4 and 8, when I'm reading Philippians 4 and 8, are these things I'm watching lovely, of good report, um, praiseworthy, like are these of good virtue? No. So decision by decision, creating and developing delight in the Lord and the things of God. So things that are more edifying. I start putting those things away and I start developing other desires that are more edifying. So now, yes, I can binge Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been binging Jesus for a long time, but it's easier now because I developed a delight. 
And it starts by you looking at what you're delighting in. What do you treasure? What do you enjoy? When you compare it to see the type of stuff it deposits in you, like if you're watching nonsense, stuff with profanity, stuff with craziness, like just you already know. Like we don't have to outline it for you. You know what it is. And when you see like this really I probably shouldn't be listening to or I probably shouldn't be watching that, okay, put that down and pick up a book or find some other programming or just some other thing that would be edifying or delighting in God. And the more that you submit yourself to that and practice that, you won't even desire the other thing that you want anymore because your desires begin to change. And that's how we can delight and develop our delight. Like, it really does happen like that. And, and you know, the other thing I just want to staple to the other part of what I said before I give it back to you is John is just a bomb, okay? Because um, in Chapter 8 of his gospel, he caught up the Pharisees, and Pharisees were um, religious people who thought they knew God and thought they were doing things for God and everything like that, and he checked them too. And he told them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the work of Abraham, and I'm telling you this, and you don't believe me. I'm telling you the truth. You don't believe the truth I'm saying because what I'm saying I heard from God, just like you started off saying, like, I was with God. John was saying I was with God. We witnessed him personally, like, this is our testimony. Um, so Jesus told him, you, y'all are doing the deeds of your father, the devil, you are of your father, the devil. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause he said, if you were of God, you would love me because I came from God. And so I just love how John was willing to put that part in his book because he called folk out and he, he brought it out when Jesus would, um, you know, just make it plain. Like you're not of God, you're straight of the devil and this is how we know. So, yeah, that, those are the two things I just wanted to say that, you know, if you're delighting in the truth and you're delighting in God, then you're going to believe his truth. You're going to uh, find the things and inc- incorporate the things that will lend towards uh, doing the deeds of your father, which is God. Yeah, and, and I like how you, you brought the parallel, because if you read both uh, the uh, the Gospel of John and then this uh, epistle, there, there actually is a ton of similarities and a ton of actually repetitive phrases. Yes. Um, might not necessarily be mentioned the same exact verbiage, but I mean, it's almost identical. Uh, mm-hmm. But you were reading verse 42 and 43 of uh, mm-hmm. chapter 8. Verse 44, uh, it says, you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so that piece, um, I think, is is profound but then i wanted to jump into to chapter 15 of uh, the gospel of john um and very familiar passage but it's talking about obviously abiding in the vine and you're talking about you know having that delight i think that what's important when we think about abiding in the vine it's not just resting in him specifically um, mm-hmm. but understanding that because you rest in him uh, again we're talking about a vine um, and it says that he's the vine dresser so understanding what you do with fruit you prune <laughs> yeah and so again understanding that okay man i just want to rest in the lord man, i just want to delight. i just want to read his word i just <laughs> by doing all that again we understand that because he is light and he exposes darkness if we are yeah. walking in darkness the point of us in that light exposure is to be exposed yeah. so anything that is not like him is equivalent to the pruning so that we mm-hmm. can bear more fruit so 
we have to understand that there's a difficulty. And I think we sometimes, um, you know, when we did the James, we talked about counting our joy. We have the ability to count on our joy because we recognize that all things work together for the good. Yeah. If our desire is to be conformed to his image, then when he prunes, we recognize that it's not necessarily just for the pain of it, but the promise that comes in that and the the right. the relationship that forms as a result of letting him prune us. So if he says mm-hmm. that you're bearing fruit, but I'm going to prune you so that you can bear more fruit, he's actually doing that for your good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So then we can go back to Romans 8 and say, okay, God, mm-hmm. I don't like it but I trust you. And so being able to abide in him allows us one to see that promise differently, but then two, to be able to recognize that God is at work, not just simply that, okay, this is another trial, but okay, I have a different perspective. And so again, going from John 15 to now going back to first John, when he says, because you know, this is what's happening. So don't be deceived when people come to you and say, oh, well, that's just, just that's just another trial. Like the Lord doesn't love you. He's not looking out for you. Like you can't, you already know the truth. Like if the truth is in you, the truth yeah. is in you. Like don't let anybody come and sway you differently because you know the truth. And right. because you know the truth, you should be able to discern, which I think we went back to um, growing up in, in another uh, episode is in Hebrews five and six, where it talks about like, by now you should be teachers because when you can okay. move from the elementary truths, it says that you can discern between good and evil. So if you're still at that child stage and you're not growing in Christ, then you're not able to even really overcome because you don't overcome really until that second stage when he was talking to the young men, right? So if you're still at that weak stage where you're not really discerning, you're not going to delight in Christ and you're going to hit these situations and we can go to the four soils. And I mean, systemically, I mean, there's just, I mean, stuff is just popping out, but I mean, really we can understand that we, we come to these trials and then immediately we just forget everything and we just toss our cookies. Right. So I think there's, there's a, a promise to this. If we're really willing to look at what he's trying to say to his children is like, look, this is how, you know, this is what you need to do so that you yep. can grow. So I'm not just telling you just because I just want to say something. I'm telling you this because this is foundational because you're either going to demonstrate this or you're going to be deceived. And so you got to choose one of the two. And so if you know the truth, you got to walk in the truth. Otherwise you're a liar. And so I don't want you to be a liar. And so I'm letting you know, this is what this looks like. So yeah, a lot can be said there, but um, yeah. Super good. So yeah, I'll just close it out real quick. Um, Just real quick in in chapter four, the thing that I wanted to bring out is just, um, this is kind of the love chapter. Um, and the word love is mentioned 35 times in this chapter. So we already talked about love earlier, about loving the unlovable and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But one scripture specifically I wanted to pull out of this, um, well, two, um, one in, in chapter four and then one in chapter five. But um, verse seven and eight of chapter four, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves um, is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And I, I remember my aunt used to say this, or our aunt um, used to say this all the time in King James. And she used to say, he that loves not knoweth not God, for God is love. And I used to love that passage because the one is super so cool. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's the truth. Like, if we don't love, um, if God is love, that means that we have to have that same imitation of love. We have to have the same character mm-hmm. of love. And so if we don't, that's a telling indicator of, like you said, are we of the devil or are we of God? Um, and then verse two in chapter five says, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. So 
Um, I think the three things that we should be loving is loving God, loving others, and loving his commandments. And that Mm -hmm. particular verse, I think, speaks to all three of those when it says that this is how we know, again, that we love the children of God. So that's loving others. When we love God, loving God, and obey his commandments. So if we have a love for his commandments, it is a telling indicator that we're going to love, obviously love him, Uh but then also love other people. And so uh, I think that love really is the foundation of all of this, because if Uh we have a love, one, we're going to treat people right. But then secondly, we're going to honor God. And I think how you brought up the Amplify was just um, wonderful because it really pointed to where's your heart. And because we recognize the heart as being the love factory, do we Uh love sin or do we love righteousness? And because we love righteousness, then it makes it easier to be obedient when you love something. So because I love my kids, I'm willing to sacrifice for them. It might hurt at times. There might be things that are like, man, like this is stressful, but I'm going to go all the way because I love them. And if we have a love for God and love for others, that should supersede what our own individual desires are especially if those are evil desires and so that continually brings us back to okay because i love you lord i have to be able to kind of conform that and bring that to the cross and let that burn because if i don't repent in this area it's going to breed evil and so because we love the lord we're going to continue to walk in a pattern of of godliness and be willing to say god i'm going to continue to let you prune me i'm going to go back to the altar and let you do what you need to do because Uh this is not right and so I think if we recognize love in the sacrificial sense, like we were talking earlier, I think that it allows us to be able to be submissive in these areas when in the natural sense, we wouldn't want to be submissive. Yeah. All right. So concluding with chapter five, um, mm-hmm. and this was kind of just for me, just a, a summary um, of everything they said. Um, and I love this one. I know you kind of talked a little bit about the end of chapter four and it kind of goes into chapter five a little bit. Um, Uh But this one, I just kind of felt like he just connected the dots um, between the last chapter. I'm sorry, between the first chapter and the last chapter. So Uh um, I'll kind of let you speak to what you need to say. And I'll kind of just close it up. Because I think what he says is kind of a summary of of all of that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, everything he says at this point, he's just summarizing it. And uh, the biggest thing I pulled out of this, I'll just read verses two through four. He says, by this, we know again that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And so um, I've already talked about love, you know, loving God, what that means, keeping his commandments, what that means, obeying God. Um, but the biggest thing I just want to pull out of that is his commandments are not burdensome. When we are reading hearing, receiving his word, it is not laborious. It's not grievous. It should not be burdensome to us to hear and to read, to see, to receive God's word. His commandments are for instruction. Um, Paul said it in the book of Timothy that the word of God is for doctrine, instruction, and righteousness. So we should be grateful that God gives us this playbook and this instruction manual on how to be righteous and how to please him and how to make it to heaven. Um, Everyone didn't have all these things. You know, the Old Testament saints did not have the New Testament that we have. And yes, we have a lot of the Old Testament that um, some of them did have to refer to, but we have so much more now with the Old Testament and with the things that the apostles and Paul and you know, the different people who wrote those books. But why 
do we approach it as if it's burdensome? And, you know, that in itself kind of refers to your time example, right? Like we're only giving God three, five, 10, 13 minutes a day because it's a burden to get into the word. It's a burden to commune with God, to receive his word, to receive his instruction. And it should not be. We should be happy to receive the word of God. We should be um, grateful to receive the word of God. And um, we have to examine our heart to see why we don't. And that's a very telling thing. Um, But that's the only way that we're going to overcome the world is through what we learn in the word. So we as if it's a burdensome thing, we should be looking at having encounters and experiences with the word as exciting, as delightful. Um, I mean, my personal studies in the word are like the bomb. Like I am always <laughs> elated and stoked to be in the word for myself, not just when I'm studying to preach, not just when I'm studying for, you know, our uh, recordings. Um, I literally just love to be in the word period. And it's not just reading the Bible. I'm watching or um, hearing the word in other forms. I just love being immersed with the word because it's the voice of my father. It's words from my father. And even though this book was um, how you depicted a love letter to children, the entire Bible is a love letter um, from God to his children because he's warning us, he's instructing us, he's telling us so many things through the entire word of God. So I just wanted to plug that part that, um, we keep talking about the commandments, commandments. It's not just the Ten Commandments, y'all. Like, everything that God is saying is His commandments. Um, but just like you said, if we just uh, get it right with loving God, which is obeying Him, and then loving other people, everything else hinges on that. So that's all I really had for Chapter 5. Yeah, um, like I said, I think Chapter 5 was just kind of um, a summary. Um, just, I mean, obviously, like, you'd write any letter, you're going to close it and just kind of give your final thoughts. And so that's just kind of how I took that. Um, and I do know that specifically there were five things that he kind of um, really summarized uh, because, you know, he says um, in verse 13, these things I have written to you. Um, so um, he's kind of now saying like, this is what I wrote. This is why I wrote it. Um, and so um, just kind of went back to the beginning. Um, he did mention a couple of things, but he says uh, specifically why he writes. And so just taking the word right um, kind of use it as an acronym. Um, and these are the five things that I kind of gathered. And so, um, the first one was, we are gods. Um, I think you had mentioned that in the last chapter that, you know, we are from God. Um, and so our, our fellowship is in him. Um, that's verse 19. It says, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil. And so we know that, um, we belong to the Lord and we've kind of spoke all the way through this whole thing about the fact that, um, this is how we know that we are in God is if, um, uh-huh. Our fellowship is in him. And also if we are following these um, particular parameters as it pertains to love and walking in the light and uh, righteousness. So um, he wanted to give us the, the, the hope and the promise that we know that we're God's, not just somebody just saying, oh, well, you, you might be of the faith. Like he wanted us to have that confidence that we are in, in the faith um, and that if we are doing these things, that we are confirming our fellowship. Um, secondly, is ours that we have the removal of sin's power. Um, as verse 18, it says, we know that no one who was born of God sins, but he who was born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. So um, not only do we have the removal of sin and its power, uh, 
but also we are protected from wickedness. We're protected from the the author of wickedness. And so um, I think that's important. And we were talking about just the, um, the condemnation. I think that sometimes when people sin, they kind of give this, um, cast this gray cloud over themselves. Like, Man, I sinned. I'm apart from God. And, and again, if we recognize our position, then when we sin, uh, that there's not a condemnation to that. And so I think that um, we have to be able to pair those two together to recognize that there's not a power and that we are broken from that. Um, and also that's another piece in Romans. I think we talked about that a couple months ago. Um, and so just, just knowing that I think gives us the liberty and the freedom to come back to our advocate, as he had mentioned um, to us in chapter two. Um, thirdly is I think we have illumination. So we know we have the Holy spirit. Um, verse 20, it says, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. So we know that the spirit is that illuminating, uh, presence that allows us to know the truth, um, and to walk in the truth. It is our sanctifying power, um, that as we walk in truth, that is not our own power, but it's him, um, allowing us to understand the scripture, to apply the scripture and to live it out. So um, that illumination is again, another uh, component of our confirmation and knowing that God is with us. Um, fourthly is uh, throne room access. Um, so 14 to 15 says, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So again, just that access that, like it says in, in Hebrews, that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So we know that uh, because we are his children, that he has given us that freedom and that liberty to come to him and whatever we ask in his will, that he will hear us. Um, and then lastly, um, he gives us eternal security. So um, verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So as we believe in him, um, that he gives us the promise of eternal life um, and that we are secure in knowing that because we are his, that he will keep those who are his and that we're protected from evil um, and all wickedness. And just a final exhortation in that chapter. Um, I'm going to use the Amplified because I just love that as well. Um, <laughs> Uh, again, just that final admonishment to his children just says, little children, keep yourselves from idols, um, false gods, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for him that would take first place in your life. Wow. Amen. So let it be. So mm. that I think was just super profound and just kind of just encapsulating the entire message, which is, um, again, as we talk about demonstration versus deception. The devil is a liar. And so let that not be said about you. You know, if you are to walk in light, then walk in light. If you want to walk in darkness, don't claim to be in the light because you're a liar and the truth mm -hmm. is not in you. Um, and again, that's his words, not mine. But, <laughs> but, I might put that in the uh, <laughs> but, you know, be not deceived because our demonstration prevents our deportation. So if we want to remain in the faith, we must walk in light, walk in love um, and live out loud. So I think if we can demonstrate that again confirms our identity because just like having a gym membership, like I can't claim to be a member of a gym that I don't go to and I'm not working uh -huh. out and I'm not exercising. So if I'm not, uh -huh. if I'm not working on, I join a membership for the purpose of getting the benefits for having the access and for um, reaping um, the fruits of that. And so if I'm not doing those things, then what is the intention of me just being um, right. a part of something that I'm not, willing to exercise so mm -hmm. i think when we think about our faith when we think about our righteousness if we're willing to look and say god i love you 
and I will, I'm willing to obey your commandments, then obedience, like you said, sometimes is sacrifice because obedience is not just when we want to obey, but when we know that we're supposed to obey and we do so. So mm-hmm. what we've heard, what we receive, then, like he said, you have heard from the beginning. So what you've heard, what you've received, now it's our responsibility to obey. Amen. So, a lot more could be said. Um, catch us on the IG live. We can definitely go on with these books. Cause I mean, there's just so much. And, and, you know, like you said, you know, when you, when you binge, there's, there's just such a joy to be able to just share the word and be encouraged, not only as, as a, a teacher, but just knowing that when I walk away from this, that I have a responsibility. And so that is, I think the beauty of loving others and being in fellowship with others is that just as Paul, um, I'm sorry, just as John was speaking to um, the church as his children, we have that same opportunity every day with other, other believers, it's, whether it's, you know, brothers and sisters in the faith or whether we are actually mentors to others in the faith, that we have this ability to be able to chop it up in the word and, and dive in and really receive just as he was speaking to them. And so I think that for us, um, you know, we have this joy to be able to share the word. And, and obviously it's, it's kind of a platform where we're not hearing and responding back to them. But uh, I know for you and I, as we're getting it in, like it's just such a joy to be able to, to talk about the word, let that uh, just kind of stick in my spirit. And then when I walk away from that, okay, Lord, like I feel more energized. I feel refreshed because there's a hope to sharing God's word and being able to live that out and knowing that there's a like-minded uh, individual on the other end that's walking with you and encouraging you in that same, same walk. So. Mm-hmm. I love it. So true. Come on here, pray us out, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. Father, you are the Lord, and we thank you so much for this book, uh, this love letter that you have um, set in your word um, that is given to us as believers that we can um, just look and reflect. And um, we're just so grateful that you give us. Uh, the warning against deception that you have implanted the truth in our hearts. We thank you that that we know the truth, and um, I pray that we would um, we would rest on the righteousness that you um, have given us and that you desire uh, from the heart. That we would love you uh, first and foremost with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we would. Love others, Father, with the same sacrificial love that you loved us, Father, that we would give of ourselves, that we would not um, we would not play favorites, we would not um, treat people biasly. Um, I pray, Lord, that you um, would help us to um, to love your word, Father, um, that we would delight in your word. I know we talked about that a little bit last month, Father, but um, God, everything that we do, um, we do unto you. And so... Um, this love that we have in our hearts, um, it comes from you. You are the author of that love. And Lord, we want to abide in you um, so that we can bear that same love. Um, Lord, help us to bear much fruit. Um, prune us, Lord, when we um, fall short um, of that. Father, continue to, to make us more like you and conform us to your image. Um, and we know that oftentimes that comes in the form of trials, Father, and that um, we know that everything works to the good, to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So, Father, shape us. I pray that we would be willing to um, go to the cutting room floor, Father, and just be willing to change so that we um, may allow our lights to shine ever so bright, Father, and that we will not bear a false testimony, Father, as we learned about in this um, in this chapter, in this book, uh, rather, um, that if we... 
um, have love for you, but we hate our brother, um, then we are a liar and the truth is not in us. Father, we want the truth to bear and um, be evident. And so, Father, uh, we commit this time to you and we pray, Lord, that the listeners that are hearing this, Father, that they would open their hearts to receive you uh, with truth, with conviction, and um, everything that has been said and heard. Um, let it be uh, a resounding um, amen to our souls, God, because we want to be more like you. And even in the times where it seems tough, we want to be obedient. So, uh, let that be our heart, and we pray that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Her Bro, His Sis. Catch your favorite siblings each month as we talk to you, our family in Christ. Want to chat or just stay in the know? Catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Her Bro, His Sis. Yeah.